Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I am your co-host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other co-host, Susan Fox. And with us is the mastermind behind Adventure Theater, Mr. Anthony Sakovich. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I've only ever been called a mastermind before when it was about my evil activities. So this is really cool. <laughs> we need to have more good masterminds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... It's um, it's like the Professor X, Reed Richards model. I, I, You know, when you said Professor, I immediately went to Gilligan's Island. And I'm like, okay, that kind of oh, works. Well, and that uh, works, too. He's a good mastermind. Yeah. He's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I think of the Parker Brothers game, you know. Oh, <laughs> like, yes, exactly. It's around here somewhere. Yeah. Ah, so. Anyway. Then there's Mr. Mind, who was one of uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel's uh, antagonists. Oh, yes, the, the, the worm. S- yes, small but mighty. Small but mighty. I, I, I feel certain sympathy for him. Yeah, he always, he's <laughs> somehow. I'm taking it that you are um, vertically challenged. I am concentrated. <laughs> there you have it. There you uh, have it. So, for the listeners, for the listeners out there, if you have not been listening to the Adventure Theater, the Omicron Contingent. You would like to boy. think it was the Omicron Contingent. No, it's the Omega Contingent. No, what am I? It's no, I've got, to, I've got to go back and edit this now. No, I think this it's is the Omega this con- way. Okay. No, it, no, it's awesome this way because it's, you're not the only person who said that. Um, Actually, wait a minute. Yes, you are the only person who said that. Now that I think of that, uh, and now so there will be your, hundreds this more. This is your shining moment. Uh, no, it's the Omega contingent because uh, they are the last option uh, when everything right. else is failed. Right. Where are they today? That's what I want to know. But that's at the end of the interview, I guess. Th- yes, uh, <laughs> because that's also about 140 years after the fact. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the Omega uh, Contingent is this fantastic, immer- absolutely immersive steampunk radio show, uh, and an, an adventure serial worth every minute of your time to listen to it. Now I gotta warn you the um, the accents are sad. They need they need an accent coach really bad. They're trying. God knows they're trying. But if that's the worst thing I have to if that's the worst thing I have to say. That's not bad. The, story te- <laughs> the storytelling is very good, and the uh, the sound editing and and all of that, the the environment the music, that you build and the yeah. music and all of that, that's wonderful. 
Oh, that's so good to hear. Um, it's it's a funny story because it actually started kind of as a, a bet or a dare um, between a couple of us. And it's like, you know, I think we could probably do this. And um, I had been working on little independent films here and there, and I, w- I was just tired of the turn- turnaround time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to crank out a high volume of work uh, that was still decent quality but got the message across. And um, in a span of 24 hours, the entire world came into being. Wow. Um, everything from it, it, it was it was just one of those things that just worked. Even down to um, the organization they work for, you know, being called Ocean, uh, which is the Organization for Civilized, Educated, and Advanced Nations. Well, that sounds and, Victorian, doesn't it? Yes, it does, doesn't it? Um, and. It all just worked. It came together, and we we recorded the first episode. We have we have way too much fun recording it because we actually have a studio full of people. Uh, it, it was wonderful. I, I put out the call to a few friends, and they told a few friends, and pretty soon, bam, we had an entire cast, and it just it worked. Our first episodes are kind of rough. We had problems, especially in episode three. If you listen carefully, you'll hear. Um, special effects repeated in the background where they shouldn't be. And it's kind of funny, but there's no way we can fix it because the original audio was destroyed. Oh, gosh, darn it. (laughs) I also noticed that, uh, I think Delta has a, uh, has a speech. Uh, he has a, he has a monologue that that is repeated. Yeah. A a piece of it. What's funny is that was audacity before it crashed. Uh, and we stopped using it in episode three as a result of this. (laughs) What do you, Um, I, I'll ask you what you use now after you after you finish yeah. the story. Um, it, it was um, the, the, the audacity just could not handle the many layers that we were uh, creating with with all the sound effects and the different audio effects. And I mean, Gamma's voice is its own special effect. So all of these pieces together just stumped audacity, and it mixed everything up and. It looked perfect on the timeline. As, you, as you're looking at everything on the screen before you render it, it all looks perfect. And then what came out was entirely different. That's weird. So what do you use? What are you using yeah. now uh, instead of well, Audacity? It, it was funny. I went out to see what other people were using for podcasts, and I, I sort of Oz because there was no place like home. Um, there were people using Vegas. Which by has, Sony, which is an audio or a video editing software, which uh-huh. I've used for years, it's and not, it never not, occurred to me how how rich it was in its hmm. ability to handle audio. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I, I'm uh, a, another um, another possibility uh, for editing audio is um, DaVinci Resolve. Yes, and I've that's heard of fantas- that. That's fantastic. That can handle um, multi-tracks. Yep. Uh, and it's extremely stable, and there's a free version. Mm-hmm. Oh, it- well, um, that helps. But the thing is, I already own you know, Vegas, mm-hmm. and I have never had an audio issue with it at all. It's never lost anything. It allows me to blend sound effects mm-hmm. and uh, to bring tracks together in ways that I just I, – I could never do an audacity. Never. Okay. Well, back, it simply isn't geared for it. Yeah. Back mm-hmm. to the subject at hand, however. Oh, we have a subject. <laughs> your pro, your product, your your, your production. Ah, the Omega contingent. Yes. Um, so that was just it. 
it started off with um, this idea about this group uh, that was uh, sort of like a cross between the X-Files and X-Men in mm-hmm. 1871. And this differs, this differs from Torchwood by the lack of aliens, I guess. <laughs> so far, I mean, you know, we no, only just finished happen. recording season two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that um, far in yet, am I? No, you're 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 still back in 1871, I think, at, at, at the point you're in, maybe 1872, um, if you're about to start episode six. Uh, one of the things that, that's fun about it is it takes place in real history. I noticed it that. Is, I, was, I was enjoying the uh, the the um, what Stanley and Livingston story, mm. and uh, obviously that's a that's that's real history. But boy, uh, Omicron sure seems to be dead set on things happening in a certain order. Does he know something we don't? <laughs> well, Omicron is uh, a, a bit of a mystery at, at, at your point in there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, if, if you've been picking up on the clues, well, well let me ask you, um, what have you picked up on about Omicron that, that you think makes him, you know, something other than, okay, he's the guy who heads up this team, big deal. Well, he seems to have witnessed uh, Queen Elizabeth I, so he's a lot older (laughs) than we think, and he seems to know the future or how things are supposed to go Mm -hmm. in this era, so he said, you know, if I were coming from the Doctor Who point of view, I'd say he was a Time Lord. Um, (laughs) And he does not age, except when he has to do something dramatic like healing somebody from, uh, bringing back somebody from death's door. Correct. And if if you, you you know listen closely to that, you, you've got kind of a clue, actually, about many of these things. Um, and and all those things are clues to his identity, even even his accent, I think which is not a single accent. No, is it isn't. And I, I think it's what they'd call mid Atlantic. It's it's not quite American. It's not quite English. Um, and, and it's not the Queen's English either. If if um, you listen every now and then, it drops back into what's called OP, original presentation, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Shakespearean pronunciation. Hmm. Now I have to so go it, back and review some of these. Yeah, uh, it, it it drops all over the place, and that's because you, you, you have surmised correctly. He is older than he ever should be, and his accent just. Is is an, an an amalgamate of everything he has experienced, and so it just picks up here, there, and everywhere. Um, that was one of the toughest things in casting the role. And who's playing the role? She said. <laughs> uh, you know, it was funny. Um, I I opened that up. You know, as as the writer producer, I really wanted to focus on directing, and so I I had all these people come through and read the part. And the um, the assistant producer and the other director uh, were just sitting there listening and listening, and everybody's coming through. And I'm like, no, try it like this. No, try it like this. No, work it like this. And finally, a- after I don't know how many people came through, they both just looked at me and said, okay, will you, will you surrender now and just shut up and read the role? <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't want to. I hate that. I don't want to be in that role. I really wanted to direct someone in that role. But the accent that I had in mind was so particular and so difficult that it just ended up 
I was the only person that could really invest the time and the energy, at least, you know, in, in our immediate circle, okay, to, to pull it off the way it comes off. And I, I hope it works. Um, you know, that, that's up to the listeners to really determine, not us, not me, not you, um, but, but the listeners. And so that's, that's kind of like the backstory on that one. It's it's like um, Brad Bird, you know, voicing Edna Mode in The Incredibles. Yeah, it could, he never found anybody uh, who really satisfied what he wanted, but his performance trying to show it to everyone else finally, you know. I I practiced everybody. it so much trying to show them. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that, yeah, that, that it just ended up coming out. I mean, eventually. It, okay, the truth was it. It started off as my really bad Sean Connery imitation. <laughs> but Q is another oh. immortal who is sure that he's right about everything. And you, the thing is, uh, as we go along, we find out and, – and, and I'm not going to blow too many secrets here with this. But we find out that um, Omicron is uh, adept at the science of astrology. Mm-hmm. And for him, it is a science. All right. Uh, and um, as you listen to more episodes, you'll you'll hear more of that. Uh, and of course, it, it, it is one of the liberties that we take with you know it's steampunk. So and and there's an even greater mesh right now between steampunk and fantasy that's coming out. Um, Elise Kova has written a brilliant trilogy of books. Uh, uh, the the first one is The Alchemist of Loom, and it is a wonderful. Uh, confluence of two worlds, one inhabited by dragons and one inhabited by, you know, gritty, you know, corset wearing steampunk top hat kind of mechanics. Ah. And the two worlds collide. Well, it's interesting that you say that uh, astrology is a science for uh, Omicron. <laughs> um, a few years back, um, just for something to do, I took my son to a museum in Santa Monica, California. It's called the Museum of Jurassic Technology. And it's it concentrates on what everybody thought science was all about 200 years ago. Excellent. And they had a very liberal blend of um, science and pseudoscience uh, with heavy leanings on the pseudoscience because proper scientific method was still being worked out. Mm -hmm. And you had things like um, uh, machines intended to uh, diminish the vapors of angry spirits and, and um, other machines intended to soothe the, uh, soothe the brow of, of, uh, of spirits that might be affecting your your the humors in your house and things like that, you know, and they took it very seriously. Oh, very much so. And you know, I mean, all science is pseudoscience after you figure out how it really works. Oh, that uh, okay? I, I, and, I would I would debate that terminology, but go ahead. Okay, and 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 I would agree because you know, but I. I I want to go back into into bigger chunks of history, and you know one of the interesting things is so many things that we take for granted today were absolutely unheard of then. Like 
and, and, and I really try to stick to the historical timeline as much as possible. So there are a lot of phrases and stuff that we use, like, like using the word okay. I wondered uh, about that. Yes, okay is actually okay. Old Kinderhook, um, I guess, it, had already been. So there we are. What's that? It said old Kinderhook had been had already he, lived exactly. and died by then. It was his it was his campaign name and so it worked. And so okay is an okay word. Can't really get into. And although if you listen in episode two, we talk a little bit about um the Hittites and the excavations there and the Rosetta Stone and Champollion in eighteen twenty two and all those things. Um but we really can't talk about archaeology. Because until eighteen eighty, when William Flinders Petrie went to Egypt, um, there was no science of archaeology. It was basically just treasure hunting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he's the one who who came up with the idea that things that were buried deeper were probably older. Oh my god. Stratigraphical dating. <laughs> who would have thunk of it? You know, but there it was. But that wasn't until um he went to Egypt to disprove um uh Smythe's theories and measurements on the Great Pyramid at Giza. And, or actually he went there to prove them because he was just blown away by the amazing conclusions. And when he got there, all of his measurements showed that Smythe fudged everything in order to make it work. Oh, wow. Because that never happens in science now. <laughs> ever, ever. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it was complete bunk. And so he went there and, and because he had been deceived, it turned him on to the exactness of measurements and the importance of them. And his work to this day um, is referenced even more more frequently than the modern measurements of the Giza Plateau because, you know, the 50% of the time, he's more right. And there yeah. have to have been some degradation of the structures since then um, due uh, to the effects yes. of, of modern atmosphere and pollutants and and lack, um, and lack of care and 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 occasional rainfall okay because when they do get rain um there on the edge of the sahara it is extremely heavy and causes flash floods and does enormous damage to any of the really lower soft limestone layers um but in really the the because it's only been 100 and well he was there in 1880 okay so he, you know, you're looking at 130 years since most of the major measurements have been redone. That's really not very much time at all compared to the 4,500-year-old age of the monuments themselves. And a lot of the a lot of the measurements are interior, and so there's no shifting there. So you can cross-reference and see just how little change there actually is. And um, you know, it, it, but it's these kinds of historical pieces that I love to study. I'm I'm actually published in Egyptology. I was about and to say you've you've done some publications in that area. Yeah. And so but it's 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 history, the history of technologies uh that I really love. So when the internal combustion engine comes out, uh it's actually featured in one of the episodes it's mentioned. Because, I, you know, someone steals the technology. Yes, yes. That's mm -hmm. episode six. Oh my god. Yep. That is that after after the, hearing the first five episodes, episode six is an absolute barn burner. So why I, I understand that that uh, our point of view character uh, meets meets an untimely end in the middle of, of all this. How did you deal with that? 
I mean, that's going to be a little <laughs> bit of a mental adjustment for people listening well, to the series. if you actually listen carefully, you'll realize that we started off with him narrating, okay, and he was our POV, mm-hmm. and then in episode I think it's four or five. There is no narration. It stops. I challenged myself to be able to write without a narrator. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Because I thought, it, I thought it slowed down the action too much. Well, and yeah. to, a, to a point, yes. I mean, I can see why it would be useful to start with a narrator initially and then taper off its use. Taper off mm-hmm. the use of the narrator as you go because... Uh, anybody following the series at that point would have gotten the idea of what the world was like. And uh, mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking out of my shirt here. Uh, <laughs> sure. There's nothing uh, now and I'd have it, used, but yes. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, I can see both sides of it. Uh, having a narrator is, is valuable because you can paint pictures with words that uh, are more difficult to paint if you don't have one. But at the same time, I believe you are right. The narrator slows down the action. Uh, everything stops while the exposition runs. Well, we all and have an internal of- dialogue, but mm-hmm. now I want to go back and rewrite some, some stuff from uh, <laughs> from our other serial, which oh, yeah. is heavily narrated with an internal dialogue. Well, and uh, I'm, I've been... I've got the series that's in... That's been in development hell for years now. Uh, well, I, I'm stalled on the last four episodes of the first season. Uh, and, but I started out with the premise that I wasn't going to use a narrator and that all of the exposition would be, would come out of what the characters were saying and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So didn't, didn't quite work out that way. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, it did. Let's we'll go over in, we'll go over uh, first episode as he's alone with the suit and describing what's oh, going that. on. Oh, that. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. sometimes sometimes you uh, uh the you have to use dialogue and have the uh <laughs> have the character just Relate his, yeah, talking to himself or relating his responses to the world around him out loud because there's nobody else. When you don't have anybody else to interact with, that's what you're left with. Mm-hmm. So characters by themselves are an kind of, kind of a difficult thing to work around. That's what they she's were- referring to. Cause I have this, mm-hmm. this scene mm-hmm. where, uh, uh, a, a character has to solve a problem and he has to do it solo. And, uh, and we end up in that situation. So mm-hmm. she's, she's partly right. Well, we did that. We ran into that exact thing in episode eight. Mm. Um, and we've got, I'm going to go gentles. Um, well, I don't have to bother. Okay. It opens with it. It's new. Okay. New is by herself. And although there, it, it works because she's, she's frustrated. And just like anybody who's frustrated, talking to herself. And so you can make the emotional uh, context force that dialogue out and have it make sense as long as it's something that, yeah, that's what I would do. Now, on the other hand, um, it was in my opinion, and I mean, I get to say this and I can criticize the creator all I want. Um, <laughs> it was a, a character, uh, transgression because a ninja would not really 
two things. Number one would not be worked up enough, okay, to talk to herself like that. And number two probably wouldn't do it in English. Yeah, that's both are true. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you know, it's it's when you set up a, a camera shot and you have characters talking, you cheat the faces towards the camera a little bit so that the audience can see it, see the, uh, see them speaking and see the Precisely. emotions on their faces. And this is the same sort of theatrical device, except just in it written into the dialogue. So it's the same. Or if it's like modern television, people always talk from like four inches away from each other's face. They're like, there is no such thing as personal space in modern television, I swear. Oh, Have yeah, you noticed but, that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's you go watch people. They're like, right up. It's, it's like, and you're going to end this with a kiss, right? I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how, how, how they cheat that, and nobody notices. Um, but a, as a writer, I pay really close attention to it because I, I have to say, okay, when am I going to cheat this be, for the sake of the story, for the sake of the listener? So that they get what's going on. Um, but one of the things that really makes a difference that I think really works for the Omega Contingent, and, and, and this was a challenge because what, what happened was someone whose opinion I really respect. In episode five, um, he was the voice of Caracalla. Mm-hmm. And I really respect him as a storyteller a lot. And he came to me and he said, you know, two things you keep doing. One Everything always works out the way Omicron plans. And two, you have so much exposition in here, it's killing me. (laughs) And I said, okay, I accept that. And that. And you fixed both of those issues. uh, Within that episode. Yeah. What's really funny was he came to me with that about two hours before we recorded. Whoa! At at the end of that episode, you hear everyone joking about how, oh, I'm really upset. I wanted to be a statue of Apollo. <laughs> that was the actual storyline that was originally written. Oh, was it? <laughs> yes. And I wrote it in as the plan that got blown out of the water because, lo and behold, Parshakova got there first. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my new cuss word is Parshakova. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, have you figured out who she is yet? No. No. Oh. Okay. I'm... Everybody has a secret backstory. Have some fun with that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I, again. There's there's so many. Um. Just just. I, I don't want to call them Easter eggs. Okay, because it's not quite like that. But there's there's layers you can peel through, and Parshakova very importantly plays. Um, an important role in history Um, because her if you look up the name you'll probably be able to work it out okay Uh, because she's not real but she could have been okay Um, and and it's one of her relatives that we know very well Hmm. oh now you're driving me nuts uh, it's so much fun, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose uh, it, is. it is fun, and it's the characters are are just feel so real in their interactions, and everything is just uh, the whole group, the uh, Omega contingent, just works like a well oiled machine, even when they squabble, and sometimes they do. Uh, and, it's just um, 
yeah, it gets really strong in episode six. And that was actually a obviously a, an intended part of episode six. Um, what what a lot of people don't realize is one of the one of the voice actors um, had to leave the program. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, yes, we have an untimely demise um, of that character after we had recorded the episode. And the change was, you know, we fixed it in post. Can we roll that back about a sentence and say it again? We have a we had a glitch here. Oh, one of those uh, one of the characters, one of our voice actors um, had had to leave the program. Oops. And as a result, uh, it, and it had to happen after we'd already recorded that episode. Ooh. So we did the old-fashioned thing, and we fixed it in post. Wow, that that's that's a hard fix when something goes. <laughs> sometimes the sometimes the script allows for it, and sometimes it doesn't, and you have to do the thing completely over. Mm-hmm. In this case, um, because everything was the same right up until that moment. Um, we only had to re-record, I think, like three lines of dialogue in that episode by other characters because th- th- there was no getting that that actor back. Um, and so it was just done, and uh, and it worked. Nobody has actually picked up on that that it was never intended from the beginning. Hmm. So, yeah, um, the. There's other things going on in that episode, all of which were exactly intentional. But but so much of this um, was was done on the fly. It was done uh, with you know. Here's the cool part about it: you, you talk about the actors and the characters. The the neat thing is, I created these characters, and then I went to the actors, and I said, "Okay, here's your foundation. Tell me your story." Well, that's the usual uh, order of things. Yeah, and and I let them build much. Um, Liz, who plays Sigma, is is really extraordinary. Uh, I I can't say enough good stuff about Liz because she is actually uh, the the genius that she portrays there. She speaks five languages. She's American. Okay, all of her German is because she she speaks five languages. She she doesn't do accents. But when we speak things other than French, fr- French is the one language she doesn't do and I do. So it works out beautifully. Um, but when she w- – w- when we're using words and language and all these things, all the Russian, she speaks Russian fluently. She speaks German fluently. Uh, and, and, and she's got two others in there in addition to English. Um, but what was really cool about it was um, when I was writing the episode uh, The Curse of Telepinu, which uh, was a ton of fun. That was like so Indiana Jones. I just loved it. Um, but that one there, I was working with the thermite explosives. And that's that's kind of what it is, what they've discovered there. So it's like, when was uh, thermite discovered again? It was years later, but this is Sigma. <laughs> and she says she discovered it. I you know, when the airships it. created, okay? Sigma has license to break the timeline from an invention standpoint. Okay, because she is way ahead of your time. Wait till you find out who she really is. Oh, that's going to be fun. Now I want to cross over with the Wild Wild West and have her and Artemis Gordon, like, inventing things. (laughs) That's what they should be doing. Um, But I'm working on the explosives, and she got a rough draft of the script, and she's like, oh, um, 
you know, this won't work quite like this. You need this and this and this. And I'm like, excuse me? And I was like, how would you – how – can you explain that to me why you know that? She goes, yeah, I was a munitions demolition <laughs> of, Because of course she was. <laughs> in, in the military. And it's like, oh my god. So every every kind of munition and explosive on this program is exactly accurate. Right down she's the one who came up with the piezoelectric crystal detonators. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It's like, yeah, wow. I mean And that would have that would have worked. Yes. Um, because what what you do is you hit the magnesium. Um, which then creates the sufficient temperature to ignite the thermite. Wow. And that's how it works. Thermite won't work off a regular fuse. It's, it's like throwing a match into you know, a 55-gallon drum of gasoline. Nothing happens. You need a vapor in between the two to make it work. And, right, right. and magnesium works as the vapor. Right, because once magnesium starts burning, there isn't a whole lot you can do to put it out. No, and it's super hot because it, nothing, it contains like thermo. It contains its own oxygen supply. That's yes. why it's a beautiful thing. It'll it'll burn um, in a vacuum. Yeah, and underwater and anywhere you need it. Um, so you you know these are uh, that that's one of the great pieces that I like to bring to the Omega contingent, or not that I bring, but that the actors bring. Um, it is it is an absolute. It, it is wonderful working with this team because they are all so in so, so embedded in their characters. Their characters are them. Frequently, I don't even call them by their street names. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. um, I mean Liz is Sigma. Okay, and that's all there is to it. And um, Nathan is Gamma. And um, we actually, oh, th- this is hilarious. Uh, we had another person as Gamma in episode one. Huh. And um, he had to drop out of the program after one episode, the end. And so fortunately, because Gamma has the voice modulated. Right, right. Um, get, although he's bit. reading, his his voice is on a separate track. Yeah. So we were able to edit in Nathan as Gamma. And Nathan has taken the role ever since. I think Nathan is the only person who has played at least two characters in every episode. Wow. Well, I yep. guess you can do that when you're, when you're uh, you know, altering the voice. Exactly. When one of them is completely off the boards. And what's really funny is, um, is, is the characters he plays otherwise are often the squeaky, whiny, um, you know, um, like, oh, my. <laughs> uh, and so these are um, – he, he does those voices brilliantly. Uh, I mean, he can also drop it down and do, uh, you know, a good Southern officer like he did in, uh, well, in, in episode one, uh, he plays the, uh, uh, the cavalry officer. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but yeah, that, that's him. And, and in that episode, virtually all of the characters that they meet in that episode are real. They're real people that were involved in that expedition. Wow. Yep. Um, and we do that a lot. Uh, the, one of the places where we seriously deviated from that was in, um, uh, the episode you just mentioned, episode four, uh, which was the, uh, the slave, uh, the slave traders of Zanzibar in which, um, they end up getting saved by this 
guy in a purple suit with two silver rings in the jungle riding a white horse? Yeah. Oh, I recognize that, him. Yeah. You did? A Excellent. Bit. Oh, yeah. I love that. He is the Phantom. Um, the, the Phantom. No question. The, yeah, the ghost who walks. <laughs> yeah. But we never said any of that. Right. Okay, we, we completely leave that up to the imagination of the people involved. And, of course, he's not a real person. That was the first time we ever really crossed over um, and and added a, a fictional element into our, our, our real history. Um, I just – I had – you know, Livingston and Stanley there in the jungle, and I wanted something going on, and it just dawned on me that, yeah, there was there was always a phantom there. I, I think, honestly, I, I was listening to Spotify, and the, the the theme music came on from the Billy Zane movie, which, <laughs> oh, my God, that music is phenomenal. It's great stuff, it is isn't it? absolutely fantastic. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in Africa. His, like, great-grandfather was in Africa. Let me look this up. And so I pulled together the pieces and made it work. And and that phantom's father had died in America in the West. Okay? okay. And so how did he get his rings back to his son? And so I injected Omicron into that equation so that he's the one who got the rings back. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm a huge fan of this series, and the more I hear, the more I like it. This is this is kind of how I felt about um, about Star Wars. You know, mm. when it was first coming out, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. When I first saw that the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, and now all of these franchises are have been around so long. They're so long in the tooth that you don't get that excitement of the new. Any, uh, with them. And I'm, I'm getting that with the Omega contingent. And it's, uh, it's, it's refreshing. And I'm very excited to, to be listening to it every week and listening to these stories unfold on the, on, on my own radio station of all places. Yeah. Oh my God. We were so excited when, um, you know, Mark came between us. Okay. Mark is the one who did the formal introduction. Um, I, I, I think a few people had talked to you about the Omega mm-hmm. contingent, but it was, it was Mark that made the formal conduction. We were out at a con. Um, and, and I, I still, I, I do a lot with steampunk. And of course we were also out promoting, um, adventure theater and that. And turns out Mark's booth was two booths down. Uh-huh. And Mark and I had talked at a, um, a Time Lord fest in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. about it but he hadn't had a chance to you know connect us and all that and then he's like right there he's like ah let me just call gene right now and he pulls out the phone and dials you and then he hands the phone to me and that was the first time we talked yeah yeah we were standing there in front of the batmobile and uh <laughs> it's perfect it was awesome uh and and a cylon raider at the same time that's right there facing each other it was really cool um but that was that was the first time you and i talked gene about this and it, it took a while, but we finally got it on the air. We brought it out, and it has been—it's been wonderful. I mean, the the, the commentary we're getting, uh, just the excitement amongst the cast being on Krypton Radio, which is such a cool outlet, such a great repository for everything geek. Um, to be there in in that center of the sci-fi universe is so such a such an honor and a privilege. So thank you. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> we are Just we have so much stuff coming 
Oh, we've got, we've and got you know s- what? So does Adventure Theater. Mm. The Omega Contingent is currently ranked number one on iTunes. It's the number one ranked podcast when anybody searches iTunes for Steampunk Adventure. You, oh, oh, okay. So I'd yeah. say all on all of iTunes. Oh, okay. On yeah. all of iTunes. The, yeah. well, it's the, the, when you search yeah. for Steampunk yeah. Adventure, it is the first thing that comes up. Yep. Um, and it's there's there's a demand for for steampunk okay regardless of what anybody says steampunk and zombies are are both in the same category everybody says oh that's going away it's dying yeah 30 years later steampunk's still going strong mm-hmm. okay and you know i look at the um uh you know event admissions and you know conference attendance and it's just climbing it has almost doubled in 3 years yeah it's not it's not going away but uh, victorian no. adventure has been, uh, you know, persisting since Queen Victoria was on the throne. I mean, the adventures of Sherlock Holmes has not diminished. <laughs> nope. Um, it's been modernized. But but look at Doctor Who and look at every single Christmas special. Well, I, I mean, almost without exception, okay? What do they do? They end up back in Victorian England. Or a scenario that harkens back to that time period. No, correct, correct. Yeah, the, the Santa Claus um, one. That was that was a very classic Santa. Uh, I I'm actually partial to the Ebenezer Scrooge one. Yes, with with Michael Gambon. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, that one there was like, okay, the sharks are a little weird. Okay, <laughs> this is kind of funny. I see but what they're doing sky here. Sky sharks but, are a, you know, are a t- steampunk trope. I mean. <laughs> No, octopi are octopi and squid. No, sky sharks. Sharks with lasers. Sharks with lasers. Okay. Professor Elemental and steam-powered giraffe collaborated on a song called Sky Sharks. We highly recommend it, and we'll probably play it after we've finished talking. I will have to listen to that. Um, But in that episode, um, you know, just to jump off on Doctor Who for a minute, was one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a series and in definitely in a doctor who episode i mean it just left me like m- my skin was tingling up and down and i i almost started crying at that scene when michael gambon as the scrooge character is saying what we're all thinking which is, oh, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go back and you're going to show me how bad it's going to be. You're going to show me how terrible my life is going to be. You're going to do all this. Is that what you're going to do? You know, and we're all going, yes. yeah, what's he going to do? And then, he ju- and, and, and then um, Matt Smith just steps aside and says, I already have. And he brought the younger Scrooge, the boy Scrooge, forward to see what he became. And it's like, oh, I'm tingling right now remembering that moment. Oh, yes. Okay, because I'm was, like, oh my god, that was one I of the. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's an beautiful. ultimate, like many time travel stories about your, you know, knowing your own past and your own future. It's, it's, it ends in tragedy. It really does, but it's, but it's a romantic tragedy, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that 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 was such a beautiful moment and i really and i've talked with people you know people who are just like super duper experts on doctor who they're like wow we've never heard anybody say anything good about the writing of that episode and i'm like then they weren't paying attention obviously not bloody brilliant bloody brilliant to just because i i love it when i can be surprised by something that i should have expected well we we weren't expecting 
the story that we got. I mean, when they tell us it's going to be a Christmas Carol, well, it wasn't. It wasn't the Dickens story. No, there's no ghosts. <laughs> no, it's it's. And, not well, the story. there was. There well, was one. it's hmm, sort of <laughs> Matt Smith. Yeah, Doctor Who is the ghost of past, present, and future. That's. Of in course, this episode, yeah, he looking is. At, yes, yes, looking at yes. it in retrospect, yes, of course. At the time, right. I just thought I was so wrapped up in the story that I was just swept along. Uh, you know, this is yeah. this is the same, and this getting back to to the Omega contingent, that's exactly the same feeling I have with that series, with this series, the Omega <laughs> contingent. I'm just wrapped up in the moment, and I'm swept along, and I'm right there with them, and here we go. Strap in, it gets fun. <laughs> well, for like you. I said, um, that is one of our properties that we will be developing further. Um, like I said, season two is in the can, uh, and it is it is extraordinary. I mean, where it ends uh, will will blow you away. Our seasons are are now written with a complete arc. Good, and um, there is a beginning, and a middle, and an end, and. Um, I try to follow the rule of writing that if things are happy at the end, they have to be sad at the be- or, or happy at the beginning, they have to be sad at the end. If if somebody's up at the beginning, he has to be down at the end. If somebody's down at the beginning, he has to be up at the end. Okay, that's that's what we normally see: down at the beginning, up at the end, sad at the beginning, happy at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, but honestly, um, it's it's kind of funny when when, when Joe Rowling wrote all seven Harry Potter books. I noticed a slight repetition of pattern in like the first four or five in which um, they end and Harry is happy and dominant. Okay, if if you think about the you know, he was bullied by his his cousin, he lived under the stairs, he had all, but now he had friends and he had magic and he had all this power and everything else. And then what do we see when we open the second book? He's back at the Dursleys. He's at the Dursleys. He's not allowed to use magic. Nobody has contacted him all summer. He's alone and he's miserable and he's got bars on the windows. Yep. It's like, what the heck? Well, there's a reason for <laughs> this it is, eventually. Well, now, but think about it. He starts off miserable. He ends up triumphant. That's the proper pattern. And so you'll see that as we go through, we, we do more and more of that, and, and I really try to focus on that. Um, I have a, a mentor, a guide, an absolutely brilliant writer that coaches me on a regular basis, and I don't hold a candle to her in what she can write and how she can write it. And um, so she's – I mean – She's got one novel, okay, and, and it is it, – it falls into the steampunk genre um, by virtue of its setting and its, um, and its technology, um, and it has it, – it's five years in the making. Wow. Okay? It has been edited, revised, sent off to professional editors. This is someone that does not mess around and go, oh, let me cram out this episode and get it recorded. Okay, I am like the epitome of hack. <laughs> compared to the effort. You know what? It's that- it's a different skill set and a different set of talents. I think that I, I, I'd like you to not disrespect your own uh, abilities in, a, in what is essentially a different uh, art form. A different medium. Yeah. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. Um, but but it is it is her guidance that really um, 
helps me to tell stories in a coherent fashion. I, I, I have a feeling for it. When I wrote, wrote my first screenplay, um, I, I, I wrote it out and I set it down and it was done and it's registered and all that stuff. But what was cool was I then got the book Save the Cat. Oh, yes. Oh, that's have, a good book. I've got the book. Oh, that is a great book. Except when you're reading it, it says you should have this happen on page two. You should have this happen on page 55. Yeah, you should a, have this. And I'm like, oh, my God. Extremely rigid oh structure. God. And yeah. I went and I opened my script and I nailed it. Wow. Every single point. I hadn't read the book. had no idea. But I've, I have been such a movie buff for so long that I had internalized the beats. The patterns are ingrained. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, which that – that particular story um, is called The Dead Wars. And Gene, you'll recognize that name because that is the name of Adventure Theater's next project. You We're going to be turning that my next play. question, which is what next? What's your, what are the future plans? Yep. We're going to be turning um, The Dead Wars into an audio drama. Cool. You know, the, the screenplay is written. It now has to be revised so that, you know, it doesn't say, you know, open exterior night street, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> raining lightly. OK. Uh, yeah, but you I do can, all that in Foley, you know, and, and I can. And that's I really needed the experience of the Omega contingent um, under my belt and to get away from the narrating in order to mm-hmm. do that. And because I because that is that is quite an adventure. Um, that is a, I, I don't want to say too much about it, but I will give you a piece of the log line. Okay. Um, cage fighting zombies. <laughs> I suspect that zombies might have something to do yeah. with it. Yeah. And I'm not a big zombie fan. Um, but this story I think is one that. That that should be told, just because the characters are are even richer and deeper than than what you find in the Omega Contingent. They've been around since twenty ten, mm-hmm. okay, in the background being developed and 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 really fleshed out. So uh, the the OC is um, developing as we go. Um, these things are all pretty much written in stone at this point with these characters. So it's it's going to be a different kind of project, um, but we've got we've got people lined up and auditioning for roles in anything we do now, and that's a really cool feeling. Because unfortunately, I know now I could get a much better Omicron. <laughs> hey now, I hey don't now. think so. I don't think so. No, no, it's you know, it's it's like uh, you know, it's like Brad Bird doing. You, you said that already. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, getting back to that point, uh, yep. you know exactly what Omicron is supposed to sound like and what he's supposed to be like, and uh, um, switching and, and, it's, and it's, it's just fun. Yeah, and it's fun, and it's the energy and the fun that you bring to it just just shines through the whole thing. Well, I mean, he's large and in charge, and and it takes the director. <laughs> who is who is yeah. the power behind well, all that we hear that to to really bring that forth. If w- when you hear episode six, okay, um, episode you'll six, see another side. Six. Um, what, what's that? It's an episode six. Episode six. Episode six. Yeah. Episode six. You will get another side. 
Okay. And that is um, a humble Omicron. Mm. Yeah. Because he he made choices that he has to live with now. And he doesn't go back on it. Um, mistakes are being made. People are dying. And it's not good. And so what happens is um, you will hear him um, really, really getting called to task. And he does not respond um, in, you know, the flagrant, well, I'm the boss of this thing. No, not at all. Okay, because he knows that um, he, he really has to do things right. And, and he has to live with the consequences of, of the choices that he already made. Because consequences are the one thing that you can't avoid. You can lie. You can cheat. You can do anything you want to try. That just makes them worse. It does. And yeah. and after the centuries he has been alive, uh, you you will find out more about how well he knows that in future episodes. So I guess asking who to whom he reports or whom does he serve? Yes, uh, we'll find that out. Yes, and that's I, again. There's there's a lot of great things coming up, and it's so funny because you know I, I listened to season one and I'm like, wow. This has got nothing on season two. Uh, <laughs> this is why you shouldn't read your first book over again. You know, you, know, you want to do it over. I've actually enjoyed listening to some of the episodes from season one because I, I, I started listening to the game. Well, on, on Krypton Radio because I have an alarm that goes off, you, you know, whenever the program's on. So I'm like, okay, let, let me just pull it in. And I start listening and I'm like, okay, I, I really need to listen to these before I, I finish, you know, the editing for season two, because I want to make sure that we have a real continuity of sound, mm -hmm. uh, an improvement of sound. Okay, because I mean, you learn a lot listening to you know what you did and what you may have done a little bit wrong, um, and and there's always room for improvement, and we are always striving to make it better. This has been a rambling discussion, touching on a bunch of different topics, all of it fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. We are talking to Anthony Sakovich, the uh, the creator of the Adventure Theater and the Omega Contingent. And this time I got the name of the show right. Thank you. <laughs> what time is no, that No, I air? thank you. Uh, Pardon? And that airs on Krypton Radio at what time? It, it is really cool because we are on drive time Tuesdays and Thursdays. It depends on which coast you're on for the drive time. If you're on the East Coast... Okay, you have drive time in the morning. You have it at 8 a.m. If you're on the West Coast, you have drive time in the evening. It's on at 5 p.m. California time, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. on Tuesday, Thursday, and East Coast time, 8 a.m., 8 p.m. The shows are between about 25 minutes and about 40 minutes long, depending on what has to be done in the this, this story. Yes. And uh, hey, things take as long as they take. Yeah, things take as long. That's one of the great things about writing serial radio is that you don't have to fit it precisely to the time block the way you do with television. Well, no, that is that is a good thing about podcast audio drama and a good thing about Krypton Radio. Because your software allows us to be flexible with our time. Well, we, when you're we dealing learned with that real radio, ugh, well, you know, or old fashioned radio. I, I, it, I, I, I wouldn't want to chop stuff out just because I had to hit a 28-minute mark. Well, and, and we hear you, and we've already had to cope with that with the, uh, the Adventures of Superman, which varied wildly during its run. So we pretty much allotted 
you know, one hour for Superman plus, et cetera, you know, auto exactly. Because we had to. Yeah, the the Adventures of Superman, uh, which ran for, I think, about almost 20 years. But uh, they started out uh, and they did the they were doing the show every single day, like five days a week. They would do a 15 minute piece every day. Right. And uh, as the show got more sophisticated and got more sophisticated sound effects, they did uh, and stories and stories. They dropped the show to three times a week. And the shows got longer, and they would right. run as long as 24 minutes and as short as 14. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that, and that was, that all had to be done live as well. So, can't, mm-hmm. because, you know, no recording equipment really. Yep. Well, somebody was recording it, or we're, we wouldn't be hearing it today. And that's why they called them transcription features. Oh, that's right. You bicycle them into the next Right. Time. Because what they would do is uh, eventually they got a dictaphone, essentially, and they would record them as they were being performed, and then they would take these things, duplicate them, and send them around to the other radio stations. And that's why they always sound like crap, <laughs> because they're all <laughs> scratchy in the pops, and, and you can hear the pops in the record, and it wouldn't play back at the right speed, necessarily. And uh, Oh, I thought it was because they were using Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be why. Uh, no. Uh, um, uh, Not I, to say but, that much bad stuff about Audacity. Okay, uh, well, it just didn't work for us. Yeah, uh, well, Audacity is great if you're if you're working with uh, single tracks or you you know mm-hmm. you're doing a podcast or something like that because it'll handle three or four tracks very nicely. Where it yeah. breaks down is where you have to start working with more than a screen full of tracks. Uh, yeah, and first, we were running first, eight to twelve tracks. Right. First, because of the complexity of dealing with something like that, and secondly, mm-hmm. because it just gets more and more unstable as you go. You know, yes, it gets very um, and, and Vegas just didn't do track. that. So, yeah. Well, anyway, well. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this oh, week's episode thank, of thank the you Event for Horizon. Was... Me. I, I would love to, you, you, you know, just keep going, but um, I know people are probably tired of, of you know. Uh, <laughs> well, and, yeah, we're we're coming up on the top of our hour too. So there you go. But we'll do some themed hours, like you know. You know, writing steampunk or producing a podcast or, 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 and we'll invite you back when we do. Well, yeah, because we still have to talk about the event we have coming up, a giant steampunk event coming up here in Tampa. Oh, that's the Ethereum. <laughs> well, so much for, that's for wrapping the show. Yes. Aethertopia. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, um, I'm con- that's going to be huge. Okay. Drop, drop us the, the essentials quickly. Uh, time, uh, date, place. Aethertopia, July 7th and 8th. In uh, in Tampa, Florida, and it will be at the uh, Florida State Fairgrounds. They have a giant entertainment hall there, which is just one huge rectangle, bigger than a football field, all enclosed and fully air conditioned. Uh, and we're dropping a a steampunk city into the middle of it. It's like a oh, theme, a wow. steampunk theme park for two days. Oh wow! I wish I could see that. Why can't you? I don't see why you can't. Honey, I'm going to Tampa with you. <laughs> <laughs> Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Richard Bach. Illusions, page mm-hmm. 100. One of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you. <laughs> and good night. 
You have been listening to episode 194 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for March 24th, 2018. Our guest today has been Anthony Sakovich, creator, writer, and producer of The Omega Contingent and the steampunk event called Aethertopia. Your hosts have been station manager Gene Turnbow and our executive producer Susan Fox. Visit adventuretheater.net for more information on the Omega Contingent and to download past episodes, and aethertopia.com for information on the upcoming steampunk event in July. If you liked this week's episode and you would like to hear more of them, please visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and chip in. I'm not kidding here, guys. Come on. We could use some help. There is no national public radio fund coming to our rescue each month. That comes from you, the listeners, directly. You may also make one-time donations via our PayPal button at the bottom of the site, or you can click on the Buy Us a Coffee button at kryptonradio.com. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The navigator was Christine Cherry. The science officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. And the captain was voiced by none other than legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents are copyright 2018 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.